Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Glorious Rugby Podcast. I'm your co-host, John Fitzpatrick, and joining me for each and every episode is Alistair Kirschpool, AKP. You are quite the road warrior these past couple weekends. You made the trip up and back from Quincy, Massachusetts, to watch Old Glory DC take on the New England Free Jacks in the Eastern Conference Final. How you feeling, man? What's going on? Definitely a little tired. Uh, wasn't a lot of sleep on that trip, but man, it was worth it. It was so much fun to go out, and you know, credit to Old Glory and Brian for organizing that whole trip and organizing the New York trip last weekend. It's been absolutely fantastic to get to travel with the team, get to visit these venues that I've seen on TV but never seen in person, get to cheer on the team, make sure that they've got a bit of a friendly voice in an unfriendly stadium, and yeah, it's been it's been good. Obviously, the game didn't go quite how we we hoped, but it was. I mean, it's this season's still been great. I'm still gonna look back on this season with a lot of positive thoughts. I'm absolutely. I mean, did yeah, you, I'm over the loss already. You know, and, and and we'll get to the game. We'll get to what the off season looks like, and we can reflect upon the season in just a moment. But again, I know I've asked this question before, but back in February, did you honestly? picture yourself making two consecutive weekend road trips to new york and boston for old glory dc playoff games right like mind-boggling right like just what has happened for old glory and the fans and what they've been able to experience this season in and in a remarkable turnaround i would say yeah absolutely and yeah i mean we've been saying it for a while that this is no one really expected us to be here no one expected us to get this far um it was always a possibility but Beginning of the season, you were not going to place bets that Old Glory would would be here and be in this situation. You know, runners-up in the Eastern Conference Finals. You know, one of the top four teams in the... You know, there are only four teams in the league that, that got, to, got yeah. to get to that stage, and, and we were one of them. And that that's cool. It's it's amazing. It's, the, it's what yeah. you want to see. Old Glory being competitive, being in the game, and like... You know, maybe if we if we go through a long string of playoff defeats, I'll I'll be salty and want us to just win it. But frankly, I'm just I'm just happy to be here at this point. Well, yeah, let's let's go back real quickly. I know we're going off script already, but look, New York Ironworkers, defending champs last year, right? We knocked them off in the playoffs. But if you look at beginning of the season, some changes, but still a good squad. New England Free Jacks, right? Some turnover there, but still top notch squad. They won ten games last season. Those two teams right there. You had a rugby ATL squad who in the last two seasons had made the playoffs, a very competitive squad. You looked at Enola Gold that made so many changes in the offseason, brought on some super rugby guys. You're thinking, this is going to be a real competitive bunch. And then you look at Old Glory DC, who last year was 3-13, and and you figure, okay, where are they going to figure in this mix? Like, are they going to challenge for a playoff spot? I think we, we felt like they had a chance to do it. But to get to the Eastern Conference eliminatory game, getting past all the teams we just mentioned quite a quite the turnaround and the optimism looking forward to next year and i know there will be some changes so we've got a lot to talk about and it's going to be fun but akp i want to go back to the to the bus trip what time did you get on the bus to make the drive up to quincy massachusetts uh that was two in the morning that's uh got to the the parking lot where it was picking us up at one thirty in the morning and i mean that was just a you know, didn't even go to sleep, bother going to sleep that night, just get there, get on the bus at 2 a.m., get into Boston, like, 12, 30 p.m., noon-ish, and, uh, 
it was actually really nice though it was a it was a great trip because we got it was overnight so we got a bit more time in boston you know we we got there at noon the game wasn't until 5 30 so got to wander around there was a beach near there do a bit of swimming have a nap um Wait, wait, to, time out. You went swim. Wait, wait, wait. You went to the beach. You oh yeah, swimming? absolutely. Went to the beach. Had a had a swim. That's awesome. Um, and then, you know, did there, you bring a bathing suit? Oh yeah, yeah. No, I knew I knew it was near a beach. I was prepared. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we, you know, obviously the since we were there early enough, uh, Boston's got a, or the, the free Jacks have a, a great tailgating culture there because they've got the, the stadium to do it. And so we went there, went to the tailgate early, you know, met, um, Phil from the Jacks Rangers show, met Bill Baker of Eagle overseas, Eagles overseas, ran into Paul Sheehy and Nick Benson, this MLR CEO at the tailgate as well, yeah. just hanging around. So that was a great time. Um, obviously, game itself tough, but you know we got through it with cheap beer. They, <laughs> the beer, very reasonably priced in that stadium as well. I appreciated it. And then, you know, afterwards, hit the town with some of the old glory fans. Went to some of the historic bars in Boston, and then yeah. next morning took the trip back. Got back at about eight thirty last night. So. It was a lot of travel, a lot of time on a bus, very tiring, but also a whole lot of fun. Yeah, and, and kudos to, that sounds amazing, and kudos to all, all the Old Glory DC fans that made both trips, New York and to Massachusetts. That's awesome. You love to see it, building the, the fan culture here, and that's something we're going to talk about in, in the offseason, things that uh, Old Glory DC can do to improve, and maybe that's what some of the new ownership um group can can help uh enhance but akp we got to do it we got to talk about the game of course old glory dc came up a little bit short 25 to 7 let's start on that starting 15 versus new england pretty much unchanged again graden was supposed to start at fly half and then there was a last minute change again where with tito slotting in what do you think was going on there so, I don't think Bowd was ever ready to play. I don't think he's been fit since that last game, and uh, I think it was a bit of mind games. I think I think Josh Sims was was having a bit of fun and making them think we were going to put put Bowd in, but it was obvious. I mean, Tito was warming up before the game. I it was I I think it was mind games. You know what? As much as we we like to harp on some of the shenanigans that have happened with starting, you know, fifteen over the past few weeks, it is kind of funny. I mean, I, I'm sure New England was prepared for Tito uh, to start anyway, but um, yeah, that was maybe Josh's little last wink and nod for um, what he was doing there. But again, otherwise unchanged, right? I mean, it was the same lineup that they trotted out uh, against New York, and probably considering injuries and where guys were you know we'll have to wonder what happened with Herrera but for the most part it was probably their again their strongest 15 that they could have put out there in in such a big clash on the road yeah it was I mean it is something to keep in mind we've have had a, a fair number of injuries this season you think about some of the guys who went out in the sort of first half of the season 
I mean, Stan South going down, obviously. Mike Tabulis was a bit rusty, but was getting back into the swing of things. He went down. And then um, Fairman Martinez, absolute superstar yeah. at center, um, especially defensively. And then, you know, after starting seven games in a row, he's out. A lot of players who just disappeared from our, our roster. And, and I thought we we had a good lineup anyway, but you, you do sort of wonder, yeah. like, man, what if we'd had some of those guys still? You know, and, and talking about the little game, and I don't want to make this as an excuse, but just understanding the, the challenges that faced Old Glory after a hard-fought win in New York. Got back late after their game on, what, that was probably Sunday night, early Monday morning, to then have to quickly turn around, prepare for New England, and make the trip back up. New England had an extra day of rest. They played, what, on Sunday, I think. Um, oh, I'm sorry, they were rested because they had yeah. to buy. Right, and, and you know, we've talked about teams coming off a bye typically maybe start a little bit slower, a little more rest, right? And at this point in the season, um, rest is, is pivotal. Make sure the bodies are in shape. Look, rugby is a brutal sport. No one's 100% healthy. We all know that, you know, that JAMA has been playing hurt for the last few weeks, gutting it out. Um, so certainly some challenges that Old Glory faced going into a, a, a rested New England squad playing at home. So let's get into the good, the bad, and the ugly from the game. Let's start on the good. What were some positive things that you took, some good things you saw from, from DC in the game? There were There were some positives in that game. There was, I mean, mostly defensively. It's New England's a team that has put up some big points at times in the season. They they take advantage of a, they're opportunistic. If defense gives them opportunities, they will certainly take them. We gave up those two tries in the first 10 minutes. You know, one after four minutes, one after eight minutes. Then after that, last 70 minutes of the game, one try that we gave up. And that, that is actually really pretty impressive like you think about it we wouldn't they wouldn't have gotten a try bonus point if this was the regular season and that's that's worth noting that's worth recognizing and and they certainly tried and there certainly were times where they got close to scoring but old glory frequently doing just enough to to keep them out and they did tend to frustrate them in the middle of the field i mean there's they were kicking because they could but also because you know they really we were making our tackles. We were tending to keep them right at the gain line, and, and it was good stuff. It was good to see the, the team put in a defensive performance like that, obviously, after the first 10 minutes. Yeah, that first 10 minutes was was a little rough, and that, and that was something that we had talked about, was just coming out and tr- trying to quiet the crowd, trying to get a quick score early, whether that was you know, three points for penalty kick or uh, you know getting a, a quick try and certainly New England struck first I think there was one thing and let's jump in I, I shouldn't say the bad but we can talk about this in a second here one thing that I noticed about New England in the first five to six minutes although it wasn't the cleanest game there was a crispness to their attack on offense they were getting quick ball out tackle boom guys in clean ruck balls coming out John Poland's flashing it out to Patros. And they seemed like they had a crispness, crispness to them. And maybe that's because they were rested or they were really focused or maybe the confidence of 
playing at home and having, you know, a 10-game winning streak, 11-game winning streak, whatever was coming into this. They just seemed sharp. They seemed sharper than, than Old Glory DC to, to start the game. Um, and I think that was a little bit noticeable there. And how you said that, that first 10 minutes happened because Old Glory DC struggled there. And it, that game could have really gotten out of hand quickly after Andrew Quatran dotted down for New England's second try. It just seemed like there were some, we've talked about this before, it just seemed like there were some uncharacteristic mistakes that Old Glory was making. And I don't know if that was because they were trying too hard or, you know what I mean? Or if it was New England just putting pressure on them. But it seemed like we just couldn't get the attack going. What were you, as you were watching it and you were reflecting upon it, what did you, what, what came to mind when you were watching what Oglory was trying to do in the first half? Yeah, well, my mind actually goes back to what we were talking about last week. And, you know, don't want to toot my own horn too much, but it was, it, <laughs> it was exactly what I said. I identified, you know, three three dangers three things they're good at that we were going to have to to counteract and then one opportunity for us and the the risks were that they've got a a legitimately good defense and we you know obviously we saw that and so we were going to have to to capitalize on our opportunities you know the the other risk was they've got a good kicking game and we were going to have to if not win the kicking battle at least try not to lose the kicking battle and then we were, you know, identified like focus. We were going to have to focus if we had, we were going to have to focus the whole 80 minutes. And if we had a lapse in, in concentration, then it was, it was really going to come back to bite us because they're a team that can punish you for that. And the opportunity was that they can get a little sloppy and that if you can put them under pressure and you can get them playing a little, playing a little silly, you can get them to be sloppy and that's an opportunity. But what we saw that focusing really came into effect like that first 10 minutes we weren't focused we weren't sharp we were making a bunch of mistakes it was we were giving them opportunities i mean you looked at that first try and it was just a, a missed tackle on their center and he goes straight through for a score i mean you look at that that second try and you had you know we get a penalty at the scrum so they get the ball they kick it on they do the line out they get in the in the try zone and it's you know, we, we gave them those opportunities by just not having a clean game. And then that undermined our ability to um, put them under pressure, to make them play a sloppy game. Because, you know, why they weren't under any pressure. They, they were up two tries after eight minutes. They were at home. They knew they were the better team. They knew that they had the confidence of a, such a great regular season and you know, we just didn't have any opportunity to force them into a sloppy game. They got a little sloppy later anyway, but we didn't we didn't have any opportunity to force it when we forced them to be sloppy when we want we needed them to be sloppy. And then, you know, we lost the kicking game too. They just I mean, get onto the ugly here. Man, we cannot catch a kick. If if there's any pressure, any chase on a kick, we can't catch it. Like, our guys, when they did jump for the kicks, they were jumping in the wrong place. They weren't managing to actually catch the ball in the air. When they weren't jumping for kicks, the Free Jacks were jumping for kicks, and they were tending to, to take them in the air. It's like, I think they saw what New York was doing, kicking to us, and how badly we were handling it, and they just decided to keep doing that. So, 
you know, I hate box kicks, but they were doing box kicks when you should do box kicks. When when your opponent is bad at catching box kicks and when your opponent, we've got people who are willing to chase and they're going to be able to take it in the air virtually unchallenged. And that, I don't know why, I don't remember it being this bad earlier in the year. So I'm not, I'm not quite sure why, when the kicking game became so bad. Yeah, I, I don't recall either. And I wasn't expecting that. You know, the, the one that comes to mind is the one where, where Tito tried to catch one and he just misplayed it balanced rolled a, a bunch uh fortunately i think um marcos young was there to scoop it up but again immediately old glory under a ton of pressure we had to kick the ball out and again new england can set up their their line out you know which has been has, has improved over the last few weeks they were able to win it you know it just seemed like new england and this was definitely not new england's best game but there were phases and moments there where you saw why excuse <clears throat> me you saw why New England is the best team uh, in the Eastern Conference and a real threat to win the MLR Shield because they were just very clinical at times. You know, maybe that was just some, some smooth operators there. And I thought Jason Patros played really well. Um, of, of course, LaRue Milan, you can't do an arm tackle on him and expect to bring him to the ground. He is a tough, hard runner, and, and he blew right through that Doug Frazier tackle. And, you know, Doug Frazier normally is a pretty sound tackler. I'm sure he rude that opportunity we'd love to probably get another crack at that but you know I will say after that first nervy 10 to 12 minutes we're all going with down early and the game could have gotten away from them in front of a raucous crowd in New England oh glory you know they it's that bend and bend but don't break philosophy they seem to have where they kind of buckle down and say okay you know what we've been in this situation before we've been down early we're not going to let this game get away from us let's battle back let's try and put pressure on but it just seemed like every time they tried to mount an attack, it's just a critical error at the wrong time, and they just couldn't. They just couldn't capitalize on some of the mistakes that New England was starting to make, and it and it hurt. Oh, glory! I mean, particularly at the end of the first half there, uh, when it could have been just 12-0, and and, and letting New England kind of increase their lead a bit more and put pressure on. DC, I will say when it was 18-0 going into halftime, you know you're kind of you're sitting there, and it's a gut check, right, for 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 Glory and for the fans to say, okay, how are we going to mount a comeback here against New England, which as you mentioned, the, the best defense in the competition. Whew. Let's let's talk then a little bit about kind of the the second half there, and I know Glory did get a try, and that was good at least to get on the on the board there but any any key takeaways from the second half did you feel like old glory had an opportunity to come back or was it more of a how do we keep this this score line close and i hate to concede defeat after you know first half but you know tough task for old glory in 40 minutes to try and and, and score more than new england yeah i mean obviously 18 no it's not that's not an impossible thing to come back from and especially the way they were playing defense i mean they only conceded what another seven points in the in the match like that's not you just need to need but it would have taken a lot it would have taken scoring too and i think they just weren't they didn't have that we saw them regress a bit on attack i think we a little less creative a little less We've seen them exploit teams who are playing 
who are giving leaving holes really well recently. You know, they were able to exploit New York because New York it will will give you holes occasionally to run through, and you know the same. They did the same thing to Atlanta in the last game of the season. And, but the thing is, New England doesn't give you those holes. They don't give you easy opportunities. You have to make opportunities, and you know, like until that crossfield kick to threaten Palamo, like I, we weren't really creating opportunities. We were just hoping that. You know, our forwards could run hard enough to, to make it through the middle or get us on the front foot, hope our our backs could do something shifty. But it, there was a lot of one-up runners. There wasn't a lot of offloading. There wasn't a lot of, you know, maneuvering to create space, to create gaps for players. And it just meant that we didn't, like, that's what we've thrived on all year. And so, you know, partly it's that the New England defense is not one where we're built to exploit well and but part of it's also i think we've suffered from not having and we'll get into this when we get on to off-season preview but like we we're sort of missing a a great um game-breaking playmaker in the, the back line someone who can who can change the tide get us on the front foot and create an opening like we really have relied on on what other teams will give us throughout the year and i think threat and palamo did that i think we got better when palamo was on the field because he he just has that size that you can't stop him you can you know he's going to get his his meters and so i i don't know i you never want to say that we couldn't have won it but it it was it was always going to be a tough game for us i think yeah no, and then you know we'll talk about the offseason a little bit because we anticipate there will be some some changes there, um, player availability, some guys moving on, potentially some guys retiring. But if you looked at New England and the roster that they trotted out, I mean, two key players in my mind that did not play that weren't available, and I think that's because of injury concerns. But you know, their USA international Mitch Wilson on the wing, and then of course last year's player of the year in, in Bodine Waka, um, both did not play. Uh, in the New England game. So if New England's going to get them back against San Diego, that's going to be very interesting uh, for them. And and I will say, you know, you you brought up that, you know, New England only only scored three tries. They didn't get, you know, they wouldn't have gotten a a bonus point or whatever. And certainly they've got some attacking options there on the wings. And Pelicano, who I think was tied for league lead and tries scored. And you can throw out Philomone, and he's he scored a bunch of tries when they've come on. But for the most part, I thought they contained the edge pretty well. And I guess maybe that's yeah. where New England was attacking. And I mean, LaRue Milan had, had a good game. He's, he's, a, he's a dynamite player. Um, <sighs> tough task. And <laughs> I don't think... Like it's funny if you look at Super Brew, I think ninety nine percent of fans predicted that uh, New England was gonna win the game, right? So sometimes the the public can be wrong, and sometimes it's good to cut against the grain if you're a betting man. But um, overwhelmingly, it seemed like that most fans thought that New England was going to win it. And look, New England's a strong team; they're gonna be a great representative for the Eastern Conference uh, in the MLR Shield and. I don't think it. No, Old Glory losing to New England doesn't take anything away from the season that they had and the effort that they showed, at least in that Eastern Conference game, because they didn't quit. They didn't fold. They yeah. easily could have gotten away from them after the first ten minutes. Yeah, and to put in that sort of defensive effort after that sort of start, to really, they really did try. They to 
to get themselves back in the game. They created opportunities for themselves. They just they couldn't quite finish. Um, they couldn't quite you know they were, they had opportunities where they were close to the line and they just couldn't quite get it over. And it, that takes fight, and that takes that means you've got a good culture. You've got the right people on the team. You've got the the right desire, and they they just weren't they just weren't quite good enough this time and that's well Alistair you got to go down onto the field and talk with a few of the players and coaches and ownership after the game what was kind of the maybe the mood if you could sum it up how were the players feeling after the game yeah it was great to go on the field and get to talk to people I mean that's something I've really enjoyed the the last few weeks that old glory has done it where they've they've let the fans onto the field and and there were a lot of people there and a lot of good people to talk to I got to talk to Jamma and you know obviously the players were a bit disappointed that they didn't win there was some players were really were seemed really disappointed in other players you know, the younger players tended to have a little more of an optimistic perspective on it uh, they were just happy to be there they were happy to have accomplished something you know for them they're going up and then the the older players tended to be a little more salty that about the loss and the I think that's a good mixture. You need a bit of both. You need a bit of, um, you know, excitement to have gotten to where we are and, and also, uh, you know, that desire to have just done better. And, you know, I got to talk to Old Glory's owners as well, um, Paul Sheehy, Chris Dunleavy. They seemed pretty excited. Um, you know, they obviously... It's good for them to have a, a winning team, and they've they've got so much planned in the off season. There's going to be a lot of announcements coming out soon about coaches and you know, stadiums and that sort of stuff. So, yeah, it was it was it was a good time, and it was nice to get a chance to talk to those guys. And if you haven't listened to the special episode that we've that, that came out on Monday, you'll you'll be able to listen to all of those interviews. And yeah, I'm looking forward to off season plans, and we'll talk about that in a second. I want to jump forward and just talk real quickly, give our predictions for the MLR championship final. So now we know the two teams competing. The two best teams in the East and the West are meeting in the final. Saturday, that's on Fox. That's on the the main network. San Diego versus New England in Chicago for all the marbles. For the third straight year, we are going to have a new MLR champion. AKP, what does the model say is going to happen in this game? The model has them pretty close to dead even. It's giving New England just about a half point edge on San Diego. So, rounded up, it's got them winning by one. New England. Interesting. So, again, two best teams in the East and the West. They did play earlier in the season, back way back in week two. New England traveled out to San Diego and came up short on that one. New England has, um, I would say, they've got what an extra day of rest, probably a shorter flight. You know, they're not. You know, San Diego I think has to travel a little bit further than New England, so maybe the rest travels a little bit easier for for New England. Theoretically, you would assume that uh, the New England fans because it may be easier to get to Chicago for them, may have more of a vocal crowd there. Even though San Diego's had the best record all season, I feel like, and let me know if you get a sense that New England 
in your mind, do you see them as the favorite going into this game? I think it's hard to say what public perception is going to be. Personally, I think San Diego's the better team. I would take San Diego over over New England, and especially the way we played them. I think San Diego, you know, San Diego's defense is going to be at least as good as ours ours was, but San Diego has those players who can break through. I mean, you think about Ma Nanu and and you players like that in their back line, they're not they're gonna be much harder to contain than we were and I I I would take San Diego, but I think either team can win this. It's going to it's gonna come down to the the details. It's gonna come down to who performs better on the day. I don't think there's a lot to pick between the two teams. Yeah. Speaking of tooting horns, I'm gonna have to do this. Way back in January I released uh, my predictions for the twenty twenty three season and there were 10 of them, and I've gotten quite a few wrong. But one that is looking good for now, I said that the New England Free Jacks would meet the San Diego Legion for the championship. And back then, I had New England winning it all. Um, I think I'm going to carry that forward just to keep the continuity going, knowing full well that uh, San Diego is going to bring them a, a big battle I guess I'm going to have to back New England here, you know, begrudgingly, just because, you know, they just knocked off old glory. But um, New England's certainly a worthy contender from the Eastern Conference. I'm going to stick with my prediction back on January 1st, 2023, and say New England wins this game. They find a way just to be passed to really grind the game down, to neutralize, as you said, San Diego's attacking options because they have a ton. I think... New England's depth may be a little bit, a little bit better, and they've they've gotten a strong, strong match day twenty three. I think it's going to be fun. It's going to be hopefully a very entertaining uh, final. But I'm going to go New England on a squeaker, say three points. The Free Jacks get their first MLR championship. We'll see. What do you think? I'm gonna take San Diego by five. I think it. I think it goes San Diego's way, and I think. I think it ends up close, but I think San Diego scores a, a try, seventy seventh minute to win it, and New England just just isn't able to to come back and and get in the end zone. I think it's gonna be a good match either way. I plan on going to Type Five Pub to watch it. Originally, I'd planned to go to Chicago, but man, I think I'm. I think I'm. A, travels out i don't think i can do another weekend on the road i was gonna ask are you taking another bus trip nah that it's a lot yeah. no i hear you and you've been a road warrior and, and kudos to you and again all the open dc fans that have made trips on on both the weekends but akp let's talk about this right okay old glory dc's old glory dc season is now over but our podcast isn't over akp let's preview a little bit kind of what the off season looks like for DC and then we can kind of get into what the audience that listens to the podcast what they can expect from us in the MLR off season but let's talk a little bit about the timeline share what's what's going to happen here in the off season some some key some key events or dates that we should be aware of yeah so the the you know obviously the MLR finals will be next weekend that'll be the official end of the season um, you can expect a bunch of announcements out of Old Glory in these next two or three weeks. 
there's a you know around a bunch of things new head coach stadium stuff we'll, we'll get into all that yeah, do we know who the new head coach is speculation there did you do any digging yes we i mean the new head coach is has been signed he's he's already contributing advice to the team he's already like planning out players he's he wants to to bring in he's he's already engaged with the team you know i'm not gonna not gonna spoil old glory's surprise here yeah. but um it is we are going to be trading one one coach who's going to be a going off to be a defense coach in the urc and we're getting a defense coach from the urc back okay. so it'll be huh. I, i'm feeling pretty good about this one okay. and it's interesting and the reason it's been so fast this time if you i mean the people <laughs> listeners who have been with us for a while and know the the craziness of the coaching search last time where we got our we got rid of our coach halfway through the season and didn't still could not get a new coach until new permanent coach until like october the next year that whole long search though has paid off here because this is a guy um that i think they were they were talking to that first time and you know this that and the other they ended up with josh sims instead but um this is a guy who uh they they already had him in the Rolodex. They they knew knew his name. He knew them, and and they were able to get that done pretty quickly, which I think is important. He'll be able to have a full off season, really craft this roster to what he wants to see. He'll be able to contribute to the draft and all that stuff. So anyway, so all of that stuff coming in in the the next few weeks here. So in July and then. In August, there'll be the MLR draft. Uh, we're not going to have nearly the same quality of picks that we had last time because, you know, where we ended up like runners up in the Eastern Conference, and, and therefore our picks are not going to be quite as good. But um, at the same time, we've done really well in the draft. We did really well in the draft last yeah, year, and hopefully we can continue that. You know, you look at Cali Martinez, you look at um Colin Gross. Colin Gross. Yeah. You know, Colin Gross especially just just starting there. Um Mike we are getting some time as well and I mean Koi Koi Nelligan, we didn't technically draft him, but we we traded for him immediately after, so it it seems you know, we've we've done really well and so I'm excited to see what we do in the draft. And then Throughout the rest of the the off season, you're going to get sporadic announcements of re-signings. Oak Lawyer likes to spread them out, do them one at a time. Don't worry if by you know late fall it seems like we only have half a roster signed. It's just the way Oak Glory likes to announce them. They'll have they've already re-signed a bunch of players. Like they've already you know they're already signing those players. It's not like if they get to late fall, it's not like and they're announcing players. It's not like those. That's when they're actually signed. There, you don't have to be too concerned if if the roster seems thin by then. They just like to spread it out for, I guess, you know, social media content. And then sometime late in the fall, I think last time it was in last year, it was in November. Sometime they released, they'll release the the schedule for the upcoming year, and we'll get to know what games we're playing. And then a little after that, usually before before the end of the year they'll announce who we're going to play in preseason because we tend to have two preseason games at the St. James and those tend to come in the a couple week you know the week or two before the season we'll we'll play a couple of teams unofficially 
So that's what you're looking at for the the off season. That's what what you should be expecting. Yeah. And also, whether or not there will be uh, new uniforms too. That usually is one of the final um, fun announcements where we get to to rank and make fun or or congratulate the teams on on their new uniforms or if they just stick with the tried and true. True. So certainly things to yeah. to look forward to. You talked a little bit about some of the players. Do you anticipate some maybe names signing off or or, or moving on? There is turnover, right? Guys do in the off in the MLR offseason go down and play in the NPC because the schedules work out and some come back. We know that Junior Sal is going to return to rugby league and play a season there. But um, in your mind, are there any players who you think we made, it might be their last hurrah in, in, in D.C., or maybe it was just a quick one season for them? Yeah, so the rumor has it that Ramiro Herrera has not actually been with the team for, for a little while now. He seems to have gone back to South America well before the end of the season. So I don't think we're going to be seeing him him coming back again and he surprisingly didn't have a huge impact here so i I think we'll probably look elsewhere next year threat palamo i mean as he he said in his on-field interview uh seems to really be uncertain whether he's coming back next year um he's just i mean he's getting on in years and he's he's had some injury trouble over the the last few years and the sort of injuries that that you don't recover from and that that don't really go away so I mean, maybe he'll come back. I wouldn't. I wouldn't bet on it. Players you will see come back, though. I mean, all the the big names. Tusitala is not going anywhere. He's on a multi year contract. Iscaro is not going anywhere. There's no way the owners are going to let a, a local player like him him escape. They'll they'll do whatever they need to keep him here. You know, a bunch of those names, it, the those those top guys, they're they're going to be coming back. And especially after a great year and such turnaround, you you'd expect a lot of the big names you've been cheering for are going to be back. A lot of the young guys have been re-signed already, too. You know, Colin Gross, I, I doubt he's going anywhere. The It's going to be interesting to see what players do in the offseason. Like you say, just because players are signed to other leagues, don't don't take that as... If they're signed to one of the big European leagues, you know, the top 14 or the URC or the Premiership, then then they're probably not coming back. But if they if they go to the MPC or they go somewhere else, there's a decent chance they'll be back. I know Owen Sheehy is planning on trying to go down to Argentina, play cr- club rugby there in the off season, so that cool. he can get some minutes, yeah. um, get some some playing time, and get development. And when you think about the players that we've taken out of their their club rugby scene down there, it's it's seems like a great place to develop players. So it's going to be interesting to see what they all do in the off season, where they're all going and yeah i expect we'll we'll get some big names obviously we always add some some names to the roster and it'll we'll we'll be talking about that all off season of course we'll we'll dive into this when the specific announcements are made and and talk about our thoughts yeah i'm looking forward to that that's that's always fun as new names come in and returning players are announced and as we build up for next season again folks we're not going anywhere we're going to still be coming at you every single week um, and before we talk a little bit more about our plans for the offseason, AKP, Segerfield, is a, it's, a, it's a neat stadium there. Any speculation, though, on uh, if Oak Glory will return? Are they looking at other venues? Am, am I just, are we just creating drama where there isn't drama? What, what, are, you, what are you getting a sense of? 
Yeah, I mean, obviously no announcement has been made, and but I'll put it this way. I'll, I would be surprised if we ever get to see the video board in Segrafield at a see the video board in, at Segrafield in action. Can I ask one more question on, on related to that? Again, earlier earlier in the year, you put out an awesome piece about how Old Glory DC needs to try and schedule a game at Audi Field. Is that more or less likely in the next eighteen months? Would you say? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, none of the big factors are going to change. None of the big issues are are going to change. Like, if we were to play at Audi Field, we'd still be competing with. You know, the DC United would still be competing with the Washington Spirit, still competing with the XFL. Like, the fall or the spring schedule at Audi Field is just ridiculous. And, and you know, we're not going to... We're going to be the fourth choice in there. And they also don't need more events there. They, they fill that place all the time yeah. anyway. So it's it's expensive to host events there. And I don't... I would be surprised if we play there, but Old Glory is looking at building a stadium in the Beltway. They've they are working on those plans, and they've got oh. they've got heard that from a couple sources that oh. they've got they've got plans. Probably not the uh, RFK site because that's just yeah. going to take way too long. Yeah. DC wants them to play at the RFK site, but you know <laughs> we can't wait the ten years it's going to take to get that through Congress and get that approved. And <laughs> that's right actually build a stadium there i mean it would be awesome but oh, it's yeah. just not gonna happen okay so yeah so something to keep an eye on I, yeah. it, things will improve that's exciting yeah that's exciting but hey final segment here let's kind of preview what the mlr season looks like for us of course we won't be talking necessarily you know weekly recaps and previews but there's still a lot going on uh if you look at the global calendar I and mean, we haven't even talked about the the global rugby calendar plans that are coming out in 2026 and 2030 the tier one tier two nonsense that's going on there with six nations and rugby championship we can talk about that maybe next week but i think we've got some exciting stuff that we just want to kind of hint and tease we're going to Continue to talk a little bit about the local D.C. rugby scene, in particular some of the, the pathways where some players have, have come up, a guy like John Rizzo, for example, playing with the Washington Irish. And, of course, we've got, you know, tentpole rugby events coming up here. The Rugby World Cup 2023 is kicking off in September. Uh, of course, the U.S. is not in it, but they've got a couple. Uh, they've got three uh, games they're going to play in, in August against nations that are going to be in the 2023 rugby world cup so certainly things to talk about and there's some old glory dc players in the mix there at kp what else can um fans anticipate we'll be chatting about over the next few weeks and months well it's worth noting that if you want to watch live professional rugby in the district you're you're not out of luck yet the pr sevens is going to play their championship in at audi field I went to that last year. It was a great experience. John Lefevre signed to a PR7s team, so you might see him on the field there. And anyone who's been around long enough to remember DeMonte Noble playing for us a couple years ago, he's he's also on the Loonies team, so could see him as well. He's always a wonderful player to watch. And then something we're planning on on trying to put together 
no promises on this, obviously. <laughs> Haven't actually arranged it. This is just a thought I had in my my uh, exhausted mind on the bus yesterday. I thought we should do a live show. Yes. We should do a an old uh, glorious rugby podcast live. So we're gonna be, you know, watch for details for that. Um, we'll let you know with plenty of time, of course. Um, we'll it'll it'll be a fun event if we can put it together. Interview some players. Interview the new coach. Maybe talk to the owners get some feedback from the crowd maybe do some old glory trivia <laughs> see who's see whose knowledge of the team is is best and yeah could be a could be a fun time absolutely exciting stuff and akp i gotta say man, i've really enjoyed um i think this is our 24th episode it's crazy we've done i think we've done 24 episodes we've had a couple special interviews we had some preseason stuff but what a run it's been, but it's, we're not done. We've got so much planned uh, for the off season. We appreciate everyone uh, listening and, and joining and sharing along on this journey of Old Glory DC. AKP, final thoughts. You always rock this. No pressure, but sum up, wrap up Old Glory DC's 2023 season here on our closing segment. We made great progress this season. I mean, such an improvement on last year, and we've got a real base to work from. I mean, we've got, there's so much clear stuff that can be improved for next year that I think, I think we'll see the team continue to move forward next year and continue to grow, and, and that's exciting. <laughs> it's a great time to be an old Glory fan. Love it. The future is certainly bright. Early prediction for the 2024 season. Old Glory DC returns to the playoffs. I'm putting that out there. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. And I also want to thank all the, the listeners we've had. Thank you for, for being on this journey. And uh, thank you for <laughs> listening to a two amateur <laughs> rugby people just, just spouting off every week. And, yeah, I, I've had a couple of people come up to me during the these trips to the playoff games and say hi and it is it's been great it's good to know that people people do actually listen yeah, it's, awesome. it's nice to meet them in person so if you ever see any of us in person feel free to say hi for sure but like you said we're not done yet we still we're going to be coming at you every uh every week in the off season we've got a, a bunch of fun stuff planned so we're looking forward to diving deeper into some more subjects in the mlr off season Everyone, enjoy the MLR Championship, San Diego versus New England. It's going to be a fun one, and I'm looking forward to breaking down what the offseason looks like for MLR and Old Glory DC in the, over the next few weeks. But for my co-host, Alistair Kirsch-Poole, I am John Fitzpatrick. You've been listening to the Glorious Rugby Podcast. We'll catch you next week. We've got a fun summer break.